do your job. Dad like it's your job. Do your job! With Chris Zito. Do your job. He's a dad, a radio host, a father, a speaker, dad, an actor, a dad, a comedian, a dad, a husband, a dad, and, well, a dad. Greetings, faithful listener. It is I, your illustrious host, Chris Zito. Welcome to Dad Like It's Your Job. Well into season two now. And my guest today is a guy by the name of Joseph Stiltner. He's originally from Pittsburgh, where I went to acting schools, where I met my eventual stand-up partner, Steve Bean, and uh, had an old friend from Pittsburgh on the pod last season, Ed Driscoll. You should check out that episode. Dad, Your Dad is the name of that episode, because he was a guy that was... uh, successful comedy writer and uh, stand-up and actor in L.A., but moved back to Pittsburgh when his folks got sick, and he moved back to take care of them. So that's a great episode. Ed Driscoll from season one. But Joseph Stiltner, originally from Pittsburgh, now he lives in South Carolina. He owns his own business. But before that, well, he remains a fatherhood advocate, uh, but before that, he worked in a nonprofit, and his specialty was intervention for fathers that were... Addicts. He's a recovering addict, this guy Joseph Stiltner. He's a recovering uh, heroin addict. And he did interventions for addicts and other men who just were had broken through the guardrails and that needed some help to get their direction back. And he was very devoted to it, left it for a while. We're going to talk about recovery. So this episode, probably the most personal since the season finale of season one with Stephen Berkman. If you haven't heard that yet, where we talk about our trans kids, that's a doozy of an episode too. So how about that? I'm using my podcast to plug my podcast. Oh, well, I'm out of control. So back to Joseph Stiltner, the guy that's on with me this episode. We talk about his recovery. We talk about burnout, how he ended up leaving, how he's sort of making his way back now, part-time. Just a fascinating conversation, and I got to tell you, just a good guy. I'm amazed at finding these men who are just so concerned about doing the right thing in general, but especially for their family, for their wives, for the mother of their children, even if they're not married to her anymore, and for their kids. It's really something. I want to mention that there's still tickets available for our Friendsgiving comedy show at J. Anthony's in Auburn, Mass. Uh, You can get those on the morning show page at 961SRS.com. That's one of the stations that I'm on where I do my morning radio show. Live every morning, people. Uh, And then we have a New Year's Eve comedy show coming up in Westfield, Mass. Uh, That's at Great Awakening Brewing Company. And you can get those tickets at Mix931.com on the morning show page. How about that? Now, if you're interested in hearing me talk about maybe a little bit more serious stuff, going in depth with this dad stuff, uh, my signature talk, Dad Like It's Your Job, I have another talk called The One Duck Theory, which is very close to my heart, and uh, I can tailor talks to your organization. You can find me at ChrisZitoSpeaks.com. That's ChrisZitoSpeaks.com. So this guy, Joseph Stiltner... He's one of the good guys. Here's my conversation with Joseph. Joseph, thanks so much for doing this with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Hey, listen, uh, I want to start with you like I do with all my guests. I want to know your dad credentials, how many kids you got, who you have, how old they are, all that good stuff. All right, awesome. Well, I've got four kids, um, ages three to 16. Okay. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, as of October 20th, I have a 16-year-old, and it's yeah. very scary. Please send help. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I, I, I'm married. My wife and I, we've been together for um, 11 years now, yeah. going on 12. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine life without her or them. Yeah, of course, of course. So that's that's quite a range, 16 to 3. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, I mean, you know, sixteen-year-old yeah. is from. He was my, you know, firstborn from a previous relationship, yeah. obviously. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's another uh, dynamic there. You know, my wife has done a great job of, um, you know, working with me to blend, um, yeah, the two families. Yeah, <clears throat> and so, you know, it's it's definitely a, a team effort. Yeah, that's terrific. That's terrific. Yeah, I mean, it's co-parenting is a challenge. Blended families are a challenge. I'm sure uh, your wife, as a stepmom, that has a whole separate set of challenges. That's a that's a whole nother podcast right there. Just being a stepmom. <laughs> hopefully, there's some. I would imagine there's podcasts out there. Uh, but um, uh, the reason I w I wanted to talk to you, I found you online. You know, you were part of this dedication thing, which I love that word dedication. I wish I had thought of that, man. That's one of those ones. Where I know. I, I love it. I know. I heard that and i was like oh i wish i thought of that uh and you're a big fatherhood advocate as i am i mean i'm my kids are i have four kids also two of them are grown and flown and the other two are at home but they're not technically kids anymore because they're 23 and 18 but i mean the yeah. 18 year old's a senior in high school she just turned 18 and she's definitely not an adult yet but uh you know we're, we're trying to keep the guardrails up let's put it that way joe yeah Joseph. yeah uh, yeah so my 16 year old thinks he's an 18 year old so I, mm. I totally get it yeah they're very wise at that age aren't they i mean they just they, they sure are even when they're not <laughs> absolutely so uh one of the things that attracted me to you joseph is i know that you're a guy in recovery i'm a guy in recovery i'm in long-term recovery 36 years now and, wow, congratulations. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I don't have to tell you, it's it's not me. You know, it's a lot of grace and yeah. a lot of mercy. Uh, I always say, you know, I was spared, so part of my mission in my life now is to live a life worth sparing. And that means try to be of some use to people, and I know that that's been your approach too. So I wanted to try to maybe pick your brain a little bit, because I know that you were an interventionist for a while, and that's something that I've never been involved in. I've never been involved in an intervention. Can you talk to my listeners a little bit about how that can work for a father or for anybody who needs recovery? Yeah, definitely. And it, it's kind of um, twofold, right? When I worked at um, a nonprofit that serves fathers, I was an intervention specialist there. So sometimes it was intervention in, say, an addiction or substance abuse uh, situation or just a guy intervention in a guy's life where mm -hmm. try to get him on the right track and help him to realize his dreams. But regardless, the process is really all the same, right? Because regardless of what you're intervening for, you have to meet them where they are. And <laughs> that's the so, key point. And, you know, wow. it's it's number one, because if you can't connect with somebody, you can't correct somebody. They're not going to listen. I see. It's so funny that you use that phrase, meet them where they are, because my the last episode of this pod before this one, when this one publishes, will be the next one. The last one, I was flying solo and I was talking about that aspect of fathering your children, meeting them where they are. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. You know, just like with our kids, sometimes, yeah. you know, where you got to get on your hands and knees and get to eye level so you don't yeah. seem like this big, scary, authoritative <laughs> figure. Right. It, it's, it's the same thing, right? 
Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I know with trying to help men, because I, I don't have the experience that you have. I never worked in a nonprofit like that or meeting guys where they are with other aspects of their life, trying to help them get on track. But I'm dealing with drunks trying to get sober. And one yeah. of the things that's always been important for me is, of course, to gain their confidence, I have to show them my wounds. I have to let them know I speak their language. I know what they're, where yeah. they live and can help them. Decide. What I try, try to convince them is I, I can shine a light on this path I took. You know, we can walk it together. I know the way out, you know. So uh, is that a similar approach? That. Yeah, that that's the approach um, 100%. I mean, you put it perfectly because that's what it is. I, you know, I have to do the same thing is because it's like, you know, once you can establish common ground, people are like, okay, I'm listening now. Yeah. I, I, you get me, I get you. And a lot of times it, you know, like you only get one chance a lot of the times to make that bond to where you can begin doing meaningful work with them. And so it, it's a key approach, man. It's it's never failed me. I've seen tons of people that, you know, they want to come in and, hey, you need to do this, 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 and this, and this. Yeah. I'm not listening anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's the other thing, too, is that you have that, you have that unique perspective. You have the experience of being or you're able to relate your own experience to them. Here, This is what I yeah. did. Instead of like, this is what you need to do. You need to do this and this and this and this. It, you know, you get a lot further by saying, this is what I did. And they can see yeah. they can see that your life is better. They can see that you're in a productive family. You're in a happy marriage. That you have a good relationship with your children. Because, I mean, I remember when I was still drinking, and I... There was always a part of me, despite the delusion, despite the denial, there was always a part of me that knew that something was horribly wrong. You know what I mean? Something There was a part of me that still knew I'm not the father I should be. I'm not the husband I yeah. should be. That something is missing here. I just couldn't, I couldn't quite, once I figured, once I found out it was the booze, that was a, that was yeah. a big leap forward for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's true, man, because, um, you know, for me, it was uh, heroin and kind of, you know, alcohol was mixed into those things. Yeah. Too, and it's like, you know, a, a big part of it is everybody I knew that was doing heroin, the only times I saw somebody successfully kick it is when they died, you know. And so right. I felt so hopeless yes. through that course of it. Addiction is hopelessness in a lot of ways by yeah. itself. But when you can't look around and see proof that there's life after dope or life after alcohol, yeah, you, it makes it feel like it's impossible and so I, I love what you say, man, where, you know, it's all about once you've done it, showing people that because sometimes if you don't ever see positivity around you, um, it, it's like, well, maybe it's not possible for me after all. You know, yeah. I thought I was doomed to a life of misery, yeah, doomed to a life of inadequacy, doomed to a life of you name it, right? Whatever terrible thing you can think of, because that's what I saw. And so, like, I, I I love it, man, because I feel like if you've made it through something, you should reach a hand back and pull someone else with you. You know what I mean? Yes. Exactly what you said, man. I'm 100% with you. Well, and it, it, it's, it becomes such a vocation because I, I think back at the men who helped me, and I feel yeah. like, I feel like I, I, I don't know, I could live 100 years and stay sober. I'd never be able to pay those guys back what I got yeah. from them. Never. 
Never. And so, and if I, and all those guys at the time, when I asked them to a man, every time I said to them, what can I do to repay you? They all said, pass it on to the next guy, help another yeah. guy, help somebody pay else. Forward. Yeah. Right. Pay it forward. Exactly. So now, uh, the other thing I wanted to discuss with you is, um, I know that you, uh, you started your own business. You're not working in that area anymore. You've talked right. pretty openly, not just about your own addiction and recovery, but also about the burnout that you experienced and how we can sort of help people that are involved in these. I mean, everybody I talk to on this podcast, are they're involved in nonprofits or they're authors or they're advocates of some sort, and they're all working their tails off to help lift men up so they can be better fathers and more effective fathers. And I can see where that can turn into burnout. Yeah, I mean, it, it did, you know, I, and the thing is, is I had uh, the privilege of going on to work at the nonprofit that helped me. And so um, it was, you know, sitting wow. there getting that help. I'm like looking at these guys that are helping me and it's like, I want to do what you're doing when I grow up. And so when I came <laughs> right. into the organization as an employee, I was so on fire I lived, I lived it, I breathed it, mm -hmm. I slept it, I ate it, you name it. And um, and by the nature of the work, they'll give you every opportunity to do those things, right? Because it's never over. There's always, um, you know, a crisis to help somebody deal with or sure. a situation to help somebody navigate. You know, it wasn't unusual to get a call at, you know, 9, 10 o'clock at night and have to go, you know, meet a guy at a dope, dope house and bring him out and talk to him and, you know, get him back home safely so we can work again tomorrow when he, you know, wakes up and then let's go meeting him for breakfast and coffee and talking, you know, it, it just never ends. And I was so on fire about it. And I felt like I had such a debt to repay, like you said, yeah. that you know, I, I got to be out here doing this. I got to do this. It was in my soul, man. Mm -hmm. And come, you know, after seven years, six, seven years of that, I mean, I was coming home and I didn't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. And you know what it's like to come home with little kids, right? Sure. You got a whole welcoming committee <laughs> as soon as you pull into that driveway. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember and those if days. Two minutes late, yeah. these days they're they're messaging you, right? Or Dad, where you at? Where you at? Yeah. And and I felt so terrible coming home and it's like, hey guys, and just walking, right? I had nothing mm. left to give the oh, most man. important people in my life. Right. Right. And, you know, and, that's, and that's that's when it hit me that that's an important lesson, because it's one of the things that's so important in any in any man's recovery is that if you're not able to have that show that love and that tolerance and that and and give of yourself at home, yeah. ultimately, you're going to get nowhere. You know, you yeah. have to yeah, be able that's... to show that to your family, that love. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's hard. And, you know, it's funny when I, I give my talk, Dad, like it's your job. That's that's my whole thing is that because it is your job. When you go off to work, that's your side hustle. But when you have... I like that. Yeah, it, it's that's how I see it. But when you have the kind of job that you're describing that's so all-encompassing, that's not a nine-to-five gig when you're trying to help addicts and, you know, you're getting calls yeah. like, we're going to go pull this guy out and see if we can help him. He's... Not, because the other thing about a guy that's in addiction like that or or an alcoholic, if they reach out, you got to strike while that iron's hot because that, that feeling yes. will pass and he'll be unreachable again. And who knows if you'll talk to him again? 
Yeah. Oh, that, that's so true. That That's why there is no, okay, uh, I, I'll call you back in the morning, man. It's not, <laughs> right, you know, right. yeah. it doesn't really work like that, no. you know, and, and God forbid he may not be on the earth by right. tomorrow morning. Yeah. And because that's just the nature of it. And I think with dads, um, just, you know, I say dads because that's what we're talking about, right, but right, I imagine right. the same is true for any parent. Right. But I know with dads, right, we have all these expectations on us, um, you know, right, to to provide emotionally, financially. I mean, you name it. And when you addiction is such a, a guilt, shameful thing, yes. you know, internally anyways. And then when you find yourself falling short at home with your kids, it adds to that guilt and yes. shame even more, which just keeps driving the circle, right? Because how do we deal with guilt and shame and sadness, right? We up, oh, we picking something up and then we mm. feel bad because we pick something. It's, it's just like a never ending loop of torment and guilt and shame, you know, when, when you're dealing with those things. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough, tough, as a father. yes, it's a tough, tough cycle. And the shame is so dangerous for any addict, for any alcoholic. I always say, I, I had a guy that helped me once used to tell me, you know, Chris, if you feel guilty, it's probably because you are guilty, but watch out, <laughs> you know, watch out for the shame. I mean, I never really felt guilty till I sobered yeah. up, you know, getting, getting into recovery gave me a conscious. So sometimes yeah. when I feel guilty, I take a look at that, but the shame that's dangerous. The shame I know will make me thirsty, like you're describing. You know, it, it yeah. just it's it's too much to bear. It's too heavy a weight. You got to put it down. You got to you got to walk away from it. You know, so yeah. And and I know for you know just my personal recovery journey, the hardest I, I was able to forgive a million other people, mm -hmm. except I was the last one. <laughs> that I was able to forgive. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. And, and, and there's so much power in that too, you know, because I'm a guy, and I'm sure you are, anybody who's in recovery, you know, if you have family around you that loves you, I'm a guy, I've been so fortunate, I've experienced so much forgiveness. The people that love yeah. me, I have siblings and I, my parents who are gone now, but so much forgiveness. So And, and I, there was a lot of power in that. But when I was able to forgive with so much, so much power in that, you know, it's a wonderful yeah, and, thing. And I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones too that have, oh, yeah. um, you know, a very supportive family between parents, siblings, and my wife. Um, you know, I it, it's just such a um, blessing because a lot of people don't have that, you know, to fall back on or someone to be there for them. Which yeah. you know, that's what we become for a lot of the guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is because a lot of them don't have anything. So it's like when a father, you know, because another thing with the fatherhood organization here, um, you know, it was guys just didn't come to us because they were in recovery or wanted to get clean or, you know, because it was just, hey, I feel like I could be doing better as a dad, <laughs> as a man. You right. Know, right. Can you help me? Because, you know, there's a million ways to do the right thing. Yes. Yeah, you know, you still everyone knows the right thing to do, but how do you do the right thing yeah. in the right situation at the right time? Yeah, and sometimes it's exhausting because a lot of times doing the right thing is definitely not the easy choice, and it helps. Yep. It helps to have a network of people that are trying to live that same way that you can lean on. You know, you, you know, because I've had guys in my life where I call, I get mad at somebody, and I'll call a guy up and I go, "You know what, man? I, I feel like I just want to go over and burn this guy's house down." And he'll be like, "I get it, I get it, but I don't think we're going to do that today. I don't think we're going to burn anybody's yeah. house down today." I said, "Yeah, I know." 
I know, I know. I just feel like I need to say that to somebody, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Sometimes when something, when somebody or something upsets you, just saying something crazy like that, right? even though you know you're not going to do it, just yeah. saying it is therapeutic. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh-huh. You just got to make sure no one's really around when you say certain things. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's only certain people I'll say that to. Well, now I said it on my podcast, so who knows? I don't know. Maybe the fire marshal will come visit me. <laughs> yeah, but no. Smokey the bear in tow. <laughs> exactly. Well, listen. But yeah, uh, there, there's something therapeutic about just, you know, about doing that, man. But I totally get it. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, I've, I've heard you uh, talk about this burnout. It's so important because in order to help somebody else, you know, we have to take care of ourselves, too. And sometimes you have to occasionally you have to put yourself first, get the rest you need, get the, get the meals you yeah. need, you know, take some time to recharge that battery. It's sort of like, you know, the flight attendant always says, loss of cabin pressure, the mask falls. If you're with a kid, put your own mask on first. That way you're able to help somebody else, you know. Um, yeah. Well. And you're right. And you know what? It's um, It was a tough decision to leave, like, even though the decision was super clear, like, I had to do it for me. Yeah. Um, because... I didn't leave to start a business. I left and the business came out of the break. Yeah. And, um, Hmm. but you know what? It was, it was a tough decision still because I felt so much guilt about putting myself first or about, you know, I I just thought about all the guys that were on my caseload, all the guys that would be on my caseload. And I just, you know, it was tough to do that. But you know what? Um, I was just recently able to come back in a part-time role. Oh yeah. Um, and then, which was great. And then business picked back up and I had to, didn't have that time anymore. Yeah. But I, I, I know that helping fathers is something that I will do for the rest of my life. Amen. And I'm excited to see the different capacities, right? Like I'm really feeling like there's something, um, coming with the burnout. I've got some ideas, Because I feel like if we can stop the people in these nonprofits or the people that are helping people with addiction, because it's only the people who care that get burned out. If you don't give a damn, you're not getting burned out. Right. 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 Yep. And and we need those people. We can't lose those people to something preventable like burnout. Yeah. And it's it really has to start at the organizational level. So I think I'm kind of got some things brewing. Interesting. Um, but but I think burnout is something that should really be addressed. Um, you know, big well, time. And it's and you will be able to speak about it. You will speak about it from experience, yeah. just like your own recovery from yeah. addiction. So that's important. Yeah. Yes, know, sir. The other thing about burnout, when you mentioned, I, I got all these guys on my caseload. I have all these. What's going to happen to them? That's also, you know, the way I, I, I get that feeling sometimes too with the guys I'm trying to help, and I realize part of that is my ego too, thinking. I'm the guy that's mm. I'm the guy that's supposed to help these guys. I'm the one that's going to help them. And sometimes you just got to leave it to someone else, you know. And that's yeah, man, hard that, to do. That man. is a great point. Yeah, it's hard to do. That is a great point. And you know what? I think that's a uh, like the perfect way to illustrate that our ego can get in the way. Yeah. Even when we're not in a bad way, you know what I mean? Right. When you yes. Hear yes. So you think bad, good, good intentions, or this or that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? And and that just, you know, that, that sheds a light on a different aspect of ego that yeah. people don't really talk about a lot. Hey man, listen, I always got to watch out for ego. If I'm ta- if I'm sitting with some of my some of my buddies that I talk to this stuff about on a regular basis and the topic of ego comes up, this is how bad <laughs> this is how bad mine is. My first thought is I got a bigger problem with ego than any of these guys. 
So that'll tell you, <laughs> tell you how huge my yeah. ego is, man. It's just it's too much. I got I got to constantly battle that, you know. Well, listen, yeah, uh, man. Uh, Joseph Stiltner, uh, we, we it took us a while to connect, and it, boy, boy, was it worth the wait. I'm so happy to be able to meet you this way and have this conversation with you. I love talking to other men that are passionate about fatherhood and helping other dads to be the best dad they can be. And I really, really appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, man. And same for you. It's been a pleasure. This has uh, been the highlight of of my month, to be honest, really. This is just so awesome. I'm glad that we we're able to make it work out. And I just I really hope that, you know, when people hear this, it, it gives them that sense of hope or inspiration or motivation or maybe that thing they needed to say, hey, what? There, there is a tribe out there I can find. Let me look and see if there's an organization near me. Yeah. All right. Joseph, thank you so much. Take care. God bless. Yes, sir. My pleasure. Thank you. So there you go. What I tell you, Joseph Stiltner, one of the good guys. I hope that you'll subscribe to this pod. I hope you'll share this episode with friends, especially if you know men or parents that are feeling trapped and maybe need recovery. Recovery is possible. It is possible. There is a way out. I know. I'm in long-term recovery, 36 years without a drink or a drug. I don't talk about it on my live radio show. I don't really mention it in my stand-up act, but I do talk about it when I give my talks. Long-term recovery is possible. I am living proof. All right. Like I said before, you can find me at chrisitospeaks.com. If you want to learn more, please subscribe to the pod. Every episode, leave us a review. Share this pod with other people, other parents, other dads. I think we should just get on with our day now. Thanks for listening. Tell your pals.